I'm Liza. And I'm Riz. And you're listening to Little Sleep Much Reading Podcast. Finally, from so little sleeping and so much reading, his brain dried up and he went completely out of his mind. What if we had a theme song like Drake and Josh? I never find that it be so simple, but I'm reading books. I'm reading books. Wow. I have not had any sleep. Sleep, sleep, sleep. <laughs> it's gonna take some time to finish this book. <laughs> oh my God. Look at you go. I love uh, making up songs like that. That's, yeah. Honestly, that's one of my special talents. You're really good at it. Thank you. Has anyone watched the movie Netflix, not Netflix, Hulu's new horror movie, uh, Fresh? I want to watch it so bad. Me too. I haven't yet, but I'm like, mm. It looks good and i sent you a tiktok that was talking about like the, it's apparently really scary i don't know if that's true because sometimes i'm scared of stuff that other people aren't scared of and then i'm not scared of stuff that other people are scared of if that makes sense yes um but so i don't know how i'll feel about fresh but i'm excited i'm super excited there's also another one um on Hulu where they're like stuck in a cabin or something scary and it's like don't trust anyone I'm like someone in this cabin is a murderer I love that though that's one of my favorite kinds of things that's why my money's on the Allstate guy he's in it and I'm just like it's him you have him in a movie and not make him right he's the the unsub because like that voice alone I'm like whoa oh um that's why I liked the new scream so much because you didn't it was even more of a whodunit, in my opinion, than the first one. But the first one, I'll never forget seeing that for the first time. Because when I watched that for the first time, it was like before spoiler alerts really, it was before spoilers really existed. Mm-hmm. And so I had no clue. And then with this one, I had somehow, thankfully, not seen a single spoiler of the new one. So when I watched it, I had my suspicions. And then... I won't say whether they were verified or not. You'll have to watch it and see. (laughs) You guys got to watch it and find out. It was so good, though. Um, Yeah, it was really good. And I think something about the first one was we knew our cast of characters, and it was few. Mm -hmm. And with this new one, because we've had... This this was the fifth movie. We, right. we already have such a big cast of characters. And so it was more like, who the heck actually is it? Right. Um, so good, besties. So good. And like, do I have my issues with it? Yeah. Yeah. But am I going to love it and watch all of them? Of course. Yeah. Especially like, I did not like the fourth one. Everyone's like, oh my God, the fourth one and the first one are like the best. And I'm like, no. I would argue that the first one and the fifth one are the best. Yes. Followed by the second. 
Yes. And then I, I remember the third being fine. Like it wasn't like anything to write home about. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth one, I remember like not liking. No, the fourth one was bad. And, you know, I do, I will admit, I like very much hate Emma Roberts. Yeah. And so that could be a little bit of a reason why I didn't like that one. But I just thought it was just bad. I thought it was bad, too. And I thought that the fifth movie was making fun of how the fact that the fourth one was so bad. Right. Like, you knew it was bad. The second one is actually pretty good, but nowhere near as good as the first one. And then the fifth one topped the second one, in my opinion. I agree. Yeah. The first think- one is simply one of my one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Oh, did you know though that the guy that directed Ready or Not also directed the new screen? Oh my god, I didn't. Doesn't that make so much sense? Yes. Ready or Not is also one of my favorites. I went into that being like, okay, this movie's probably gonna be like eh. And I was like, whoa, whoa. This is so freaking good. I think that 90s and 2000s horror movies are the epitome of good horror. Like, think about it. Jeepers Creepers, Scream, House of Wax, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Like, you cannot talk those, bitch. No. You can't. Um, I feel like we started to have a kind of horror movie resurrection in, in a way where like they started to get good again and now they kind of suck again. I know. Come on. I I heard too, this episode is going to become a fucking bo- bonus episode about um horror, but I heard that after like catastrophic, semi-catastrophic events or like really tumultuous times, horror becomes campier but in like a good way. So like Scream, I know we did last summer, Jeepers Creepers, uh, House of Wax is all around the time of the Iraq war and 9-11. So people were theorizing that because of what happened when Trump was the president and like the insurrection and now they're literally being a fucking war that, and the pandemic, that horror is going to get to that like slasher campy almost horror comedy again and i'm like thank god like i'm like we need something's gotta give (laughs) i friggin love slashers me too forever i wonder if you can link the 80s 70s and 80s slasher period to tumultuous times i mean low-key like vietnam was over and then they started to do slasher films like it's a cycle. Can we just link those to drugs, though? Yeah, we probably could. It does seem, though, like some kind of pattern. Um, yeah, this episode does not have to do anything with horror movies, though. No. Close <laughs> close to, like, the opposite. Yeah. Well. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it, Marissa, though? What's going on? March 21st is World Poetry Day. Poetry Day! And for that wonderful occasion, we wanted to read poetry for you, for us, for everyone. And I'm actually, I'm going to get more into this when I talk about my book, but I think even if you are a fiction writer, even if you like are a comic book author, you should still be reading poetry. Like, Poetry can do so much for your writing. 
And if you're always just reading fiction, I think, Bestie, you're probably missing some things in your writing. I full wholeheartedly agree. One of the best classes I, one of the most helpful classes I took at Pratt was my sophomore year poetry studio. And I use things I learned in that class in my writing even more than some of the fiction studios I took. Additionally, I always, when I teach too, when I've taught in the past, I make my kids do poetry Mm -hmm. and I tell them even if they're hesitant because sometimes kids will be more hesitant to write poetry there's like a sweet spot for poetry that I feel like teenagers love poetry and that adults and kids don't really like poetry I don't know what that is someone fucking study that one but I always say like you can break so many rules in poetry and be so weird and writing poetry and reading poetry will teach you that you can do the exact same thing in fiction yep When I was in seventh grade, we learned all those fun vocab words, onomatopoeia, metaphor, simile, uh, alliteration, all that shit. And then we had to write a poem that had all of it in it. So I wrote this poem that I literally tore out of my chest about when it snows for the first time. And like that feeling when it's like, oh my God, like it's snowing and it's heavy snow. We get to go out and play. And um, I didn't get an A on it and I wanted to kill myself. And then I would like write really, really sappy poetry going into freshman year of high school. Mm -hmm. And then when I went to Pratt, they put me in a poetry studio freshman year um, for both semesters. And then I, my first semester wasn't that great. But then my second semester, I really had a great teacher who really helped me, I don't know, just figure out that like, oh, I can do poetry and I don't have to do it like one simple way. And I like experimental poetry. For a while, I thought that what I wanted to do was write horror poetry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it didn't turn out that way, but... I still am glad that I did that. Yeah. Because I it, it shows in writing. It does. I used to only write poetry. And that's what I wrote in high school. And that's why I applied to Pratt. And my freshman year, I was like, I'm going to write poetry. And then I don't something. I think sometimes the writer fairy has plans for you that you don't know and so I ended up being a fiction writer um in the end of all things um and I don't think I read anymore I don't think I read or write poetry enough but this episode reminded me that it would it does such a service to you to read poetry books Mm -hmm. and here's the other thing that I'll say about poetry that Marissa I feel like has probably done this too like I said, you can break any rules with poetry and I feel like you can almost do, like if you're having weird thoughts, you can almost jot it down into a poem before you can figure out a story arc. And what I ended up doing for at least one of the pieces in my thesis came from what had been a poem and I've done that before. And so I feel like that's another way to use poetry you could do a story if you're a poet too 
you could do the same thing with a story. Like if you're like, oh, I have this narrative in my head, let me write it down. You can change that into a poem. Just like you're like, I have all these weird phrases and images in my head. Let me turn it into a poem. And then it's almost like an outline mm-hmm. to use when you're writing a story. And that's why it's helpful to read and write poetry. I also, I don't really write poetry anymore. I find a lot of times, like if I look back in a lot of my notebooks from college, I, I would do that thing where it's just like a bunch of ideas jotted down and it reads more like a poem. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't like trying to do that. Yeah. I think that the... I think that now when I do poems, I more like to do them so that I can make like mini chat books, which is really fun to do. Everyone should be making chat books because it's cool to just have like your own little mini thing. You know what I mean? That you made. It's like, oh, I made this like little book and also go sell them. Yeah. You can actually sell them for like, I don't know, a dollar. It's fun. It's like Um, arts and crafts, bro who doesn't love arts and crafts right and and then it's like your your poem is like living and breathing in its own book it's so cute it's very fun but so that's what I mainly use it for now but sometimes I look back on um phrases or concepts that were bothering me that I thought were supposed to be a poem Mm -hmm. and I'm like hmm even though I made this into a poem I think that I could like still work with this right um and then stories hatch out of it and it's bada bing bada boom right it's like it's such a good feeling it's just like like you said sometimes the writer fairy has other plans um totally so like we said this week is poetry celebrate world poetry day so everyone has to go buy a poetry book read it it'll probably take you less than a day for sure and go for something contemporary yeah don't hey you're banned from buying anything no robert frost no no walt whitman no allen ginsberg none of them not even i would even argue to ban even like if the person's dead skip it skip it for now you can always go back and read mary oliver later this is not a person who we're going to talk about today but aja monet is really good guys she is um if you want a woman poc mm-hmm. so i should be sarah books now yeah yeah anything else about poetry anybody anyone have any thought p Oh, another thing, another thing I will say, like I was talking about those vocab words, <clears throat> my voice just died to me a little bit. Me. Like I was saying about those vocab words, if you know those things, if you read poetry and you're like, hey, look, there's alliteration right there. Me and Liza were just, before we started recording, talking about Nick Cutter, who is, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we were. Okay, who is a a, a pretty well-known um, horror writer, fiction, big novels, fun stuff. He uses alliteration all throughout his stuff, and it works so well. Mm-hmm. 
I haven't read him yet, but I've read pieces of it and it is so good. And it's it's something that he does that to me, I'm like, that is part of his style. He's well known for it. And it boosts up his prose so much. Just because you think something is just for poetry, it's not. Right. Like, honestly, thinking about it, I would love to read a short fiction story with like a rhyme scheme. Yeah. That would be friggin' cool, guys. It would be really cool. Someone do it. Right now. Do it. So yeah, so let's get into this. I read Night Sky with Exit Wounds by Ocean Vong. And I read Brute by Emily Skaja. Beautiful. Beautiful. I first was introduced to Ocean, which first off, low-key obsessed with the name Ocean. I was introduced to him... Freshman year of college, I was in a class and we had to read an, uh, I was going to say an article, but it wasn't an article. It was just, he had to write for the New Yorker. It was called a letter to my mother that she will never read. When I tell you reading this, it was so good. Um, it jumped around, it changed, it had that beautiful poetic language while being not poetry it was so good and so I had a lot of high hopes coming in with this book and in parts of it it lived up to it and in parts of it it didn't so yeah I will say um, I'm gonna try to remember to put to link that article from the New Yorker in the show notes but if I don't you could just Google a letter to my mother that she will never read by Ocean Vong and it'll, it'll come up. It'll be the first one. So getting into this for readability and interest, I gave it a seven. Um, For me, poetry, poetry is so easy to keep going unless you're reading bad poetry. Um, And, you know, I have read bad poetry and, or I can't even say like bad, just poetry that wasn't my cup of tea, I guess. This is not bad poetry. It's quick to read if you want to, but there's also enough content and space for you to stop and take it slow and think about it if that's what you want to do. None of the poems are super duper long. It's easily digestible. Yeah, so and it, it's only 89 pages. So it's not long at all. And like two of the pages in the back are, ooh, did you guys hear that nice page flip? Two of the pages in the back are notes that say like where he got some of the stuff from. For example, one of his poems has lyrics from White Christmas kind of like spread throughout it, which is really beautiful. So it's very short. It's a quick read. I think anyone could get through this really easily. And even if you weren't 100% on the book, like I was, you're still going to get things from it that'll stick with you and that um, you could think about for a while to come. For language and style, I gave this a nine. And in my notes, I literally wrote, um, beautiful. 
so many beautiful lines, so many impactful phrases. Ocean really knows um, how to kind of make the reader create their own images. Uh, I think one phrase he used was like, he said something was September blue. What the F is September blue? You know what I mean? Like what is, but like we all know. It's just, it's something that like everyone has a general idea of because they know September and the feelings of September and the colors of September. But now him saying that they're creating their own image based on his words. I think using that is super genius. Um, And like, that's definitely something you could use in your prose as well. So, so let me just say, there are so many beautiful lines like that. His work makes me think, if I had to close my eyes while I, if I could close my eyes while I was reading and conjure up images of what his words um, feel like to me, I would get waves but not tropical waves on a beach or something not crazy or heavy just like no like waves going in their normal tide cycle somewhere it's either really early or at dusk and I don't know why it's not like beach vibes it also makes me think of puddles on pavement in a city specifically at nighttime and all the colors reflecting off the puddles and then maybe also like police or ambulance lights reflecting in the puddles um and also I get high grass in a field type vibes at like golden hour so that those are like the feelings that this book kind of pushed out of me as I said if you are any kind of writer you should be reading poetry imagine being able to put the beauty of poetry into your prose for example I'm just going to read a couple phrases from different poems that he has what becomes Ooh, that was too loud I didn't like that (laughs) what becomes of the shepherd when the sheep are cannibals you move through me like rain. The room was filling with a bluish water called dawn. The mouth will never be as honest as its teeth. Like, just imagine your prose with snippets like that in it. Just think how much that could elevate your story. No matter what you're writing, if you're doing sci-fi, um, if you're writing horror, if you're doing romance, drama. Like, These are things that we need to be doing, please, and thank you. Um, I think it does a fiction writer really good to be able to think like a poet. Even if you don't think that you're good at poetry, try it out. We used to pick, pick three of your favorite books from your shelf and open up to random pages and close your eyes and point to the page at a random spot and then take that line and write it down on a paper, do it for all five books and then use those lines. So only those words to do a poem or go to an art gallery and sit in front of a painting and write about it. 
or and again poetry does not have to rhyme it doesn't have to uh sound lyrical it doesn't have to there it, there no iambic pentameter like there's no rules to poetry and so there are so many little tiny tricks that you can do to trick yourself into writing poetry that you literally never have to show to anyone and then it's just a little exercise that you did for yourself and it's fun watch your favorite video on youtube and then just write down a bunch of things find, find little snippets of words that they say and you're like wow that's freaking cool watching freaking uh jack septicai and he says something crazy write it down now you got yourself a little line that you can put in your poetry your favorite songs so there's the possibilities are endless guys so just try it out it's a fun little thing to do for form i give this a five i'm a huge fan of experimental poetry and so there are some really really cool things happening here but it doesn't push it enough for me um, one of the poems in here, it's called Seventh Circle of Earth. And it has three footnotes on one page and four on the next. And obviously, it's just like the three numbers. So you look at a number, you go to the footnote, simple, very super cool. I've, I like that. But the thing about this is that each footnote connects to the next. So then in, in that case, for me, I'm like, why even have the footnotes? Why not just read it as it is? Like, what What are the... And, like, the numbers are spaced out on the page in a very, like, poetic way, I suppose. And I'm still just trying to figure out what the point of that exactly is or would be instead of just having... If you're going to literally, like, leave off in a sentence and then have the next footnote pick up with exactly where you left off. I'm kind of like, mm, maybe bestie, we should have not did this in footnotes because I don't think that they're giving what they're supposed to be giving. So that was one thing that I had. There's also another poem in here. It's titled after a painting. And like I just said, I love that idea of just like looking at a painting and then writing a poem or even like writing a poem and then seeing a painting and being like wow like this painting should be the title of that poem like I'm so interested about how that works and how not like I don't even care about how they connect I don't care about that I'm just saying like I do care about the way a poet could piece that together I just think that's very cool so yeah so there's a lot of things happening here, but they're not pushing it enough for me, especially if there's a lot of poems that are really like not doing much with form. Then the ones that you do have, they can't just do a little for me. They have to do a lot. For Shelfworthy, I gave this only a four um, just because... It wasn't my kind of poetry that I usually like. I think Ocean is an amazing writer. And I think you can get a lot from this book. But I think that you'd be fine to borrow it. Um, 
And I think you'd be better off reading something else from him. And that might be because this is his first full-length collection. Um, which this was published in 2016, I believe. Um, I just feel like you can get a little bit more out of him by maybe reading the article that I'm going to remember to link in the show notes or um, something else from him. But I don't want to discourage you from reading this book because I also think that I gathered a lot myself from this book, specifically about his writing styles um, and things that I can use for my own fiction and prose. And it made me think a lot about that. So I don't want to discourage you from reading this book. I would say, go ahead and read it. Maybe he's your kind of poetry. Maybe he's not. I think if you're a poetry reader and you know that you like poetry, then you would probably like this and find it very interesting. Um, So in that case, go for it, besties. So obviously we're doing poetry and I didn't read like uh, an epic or anything. So I don't have characters in this that are notable enough to mention. And the plot, there's not really a connecting plot here. So for plot, I'm going to switch that out and kind of just discuss theme. Um, And then I don't have anything for characters. So sorry, guys. But so skipping plot and characters, I'm going to say for themes, I think it's kind of hard to rate the theme like, oh, this gets a nine for theme like why it just seemed funny to me so I'm just going to kind of talk about it um some themes that are brushed on in here lgbtq plus specifically of the gay kinds (laughs) um there's a lot about war and family where you come from uh, parental relationships. There is a lot of American media put in here, mixed with mixed within his poetry, which is really interesting. So I I think that there's also something being said about feeling. American and being American and the duality of that I suppose so yeah that's some stuff to look forward to if if you think you want to read this book yeah um the last thing I do just want to say really quick is I love covers that are just like photographs I just have so many photographs of me as a kid or like my sister my mom and I look at it and I'm like wow like that would be like such a cute album cover or a book cover that would be such a cute picture to be blown up and actually framed on the wall and so the cover of this book is a picture a photograph of two women sitting 
next to a little boy. And I mean, like, I don't know for sure. And okay, also the title words and um, Ocean's name goes right over the eyes of the people. And I don't know for sure. We cannot assume, but I'm going to assume that that's it's a picture of him and probably his mother and his grandmother, maybe. It's interesting because he has a shirt on that says, I love daddy. And the presence of his father is here a lot in these poems, but also questionable at times, which I think is really interesting. But yeah, I just think this cover is also really, really beautiful. And yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about that, besties. If you're not... If you know that you're not going to be interested in the themes that I will be mentioning shortly, then I think that it's okay to skip this one and maybe go with Liza's one. Maybe go with Aja Monet. Maybe go with somebody else. Maybe um, dial Annie Planker's phone number and say, hey, do you have any poetry I can read from you? And she'll say, yeah. Maybe she won't. I don't know. I can't speak for her, but. So, yeah, that's all I got to say on that, besties. And, yeah. I will say also that Ocean has a novel. It might be a lyrical novel. I'm not sure. It might be more like an epic poem, um, but called On Earth We Are Briefly Gorgeous. And I have not read it but it is one of the best sellers at my bookstore. Um, it's wildly popular. We sell multiple copies a day, which tells you like something about it because like, you know, some books you'll go weeks without selling one copy. And for that, we sell like multiple copies a day. So also if you were like, mm, this guy's writing, this person's writing sounds great, but I don't know about poetry. Like Marissa said, you could always try a different poetry book and then maybe read that article because it's not as much of a commitment and then to get more of his writing try on earth we're briefly gorgeous which i think is also about his mother um i think that's i i I feel like that's what a lot of his work might be about and i mean it it is interesting he is a um i don't want to say he's a product of the vietnam war but he he is his I'm pretty sure his father was a, an American soldier and his mother is a Vietnamese lady and thus Ocean was born. And so um, there's a lot of interesting things like culture-wise, war. I think it's also interesting to know that like if they're wasn't a war there wouldn't have been his parents together and then there wouldn't have been him and I'm not saying that the war is good or anything like that I'm just saying it's probably I don't know it's just something to think about there's a lot more that happens in war than just uh guns and shooting take it away Liza take it away Gary um (laughs) Okay, hi everyone, it's me. Ah! 
this week i read a book a collection called brute by emily skaja i know y'all can't see it but the cover i chose this book largely because of the cover but then i read the back and i was like perfect like this is exactly what i'm looking for in a book of poetry um emily skaja is very cool by the way this book is from gray wolf press um we're big fans of gray wolf press here in this house and Emily Skaja is very cool. She was a winner of the Walt Whitman Award of the Academy of American Poets. She has appeared in a bunch of cool literary magazines, including Crazy Horse, uh, won some other really cool prizes. She went to Purdue University. She has a PhD from the University of Cincinnati. She's just a cool chick. And this poetry book was really amazing. Um, and I had a really, really great time reading it. So I'm very excited to tell you all about it. Let's go. Oh, and it's from 2019, by the way. So kind of recent. For readability, I gave this book a seven. I think I did, I did read this in one day. Um, I read it like two subways worth and two breaks at work worth of reading so you can you can do it it's very quick it's very easy how many pages is it 74 pages um and when it's not like full pages either that's the difference between poetry and regular books um is that it's like they're not it's not taking up much of the much of the page best friend but very quick easy easy in terms of easy to finish not in terms of easy content material but easy to read um and I also gave it a seven because like most books that you only read in a day it didn't really have time to play on my mind but it was it had this sort of like I feel like poetry is a really interesting thing because you want to just keep reading and reading and reading because it's so much shorter than fiction and so you're like I'll just read another page I'll just read another page this was not even a narrative. I've read narrative poetry before, and I do like narrative poetry, um, like Autobiography of Red, for example. But this was not that. And yet I did have that almost sense of like urgency that I do when I read a good piece of fiction that I wanted to keep reading, not only because it was, you know, so short and, and you know, easy to get through in one day, but because I wanted to see what she was going to write next not so much what was going to happen next, like we talk about when we talk about fiction, but what she was going to write next. Um, and I do think that was largely due to her writing style, which I gave an eight. Um, she has one of my favorite kinds of writing styles when it comes to poetry in that it's very poetic and beautiful, but there's not a lot of metaphor or alliteration happening and I don't quite know how to describe that because I'm not like a poetry expert because it's not stream of consciousness and I learned too that like when we say stream of consciousness consciousness we're often not talking about what we think we're talking about so I'm not 
even at all going to describe this as that because it was very calculated and it wasn't conversational in the way a lot of fiction that I like is, but it was just like really stunning images and really punch you in the gut phrases and statements without a lot of classic poetry tactics or flowery methods of writing and let me actually just I'm gonna pull up a part from my favorite poem in here because it was so good and I don't want to read the whole thing obviously because y'all should buy it if you want to read it um because that's her life and you should uh support her and not just get it for free from me but this book is called this this book (laughs) this poem is called rules for a body coming out of water in a story a girl is a tree slash is a bird slash is a wilderness a girl wakes up underwater nail by nail builds herself the same wooden raft eats the mulberries and the blackberries set out for the trap and she gets away from him um and then there's like a bunch of other stuff happening and i'll just skip to like um some of the end pieces of it air dirt air when fingers reach for fox sedge claw for rushes the air rushes up to meet her grass word so the body is inventory shunt clutch of hair like a root looping back on itself her hair is juniper rope i'm asking how can she get at the start of this place blue river nameless sky blank pointless and then i'll skip a little bit more and she just says i can say our voice is a burned voice but she doesn't know the way back after the pigeons have eaten the words i dredged with flour and left to rise what like literally incredible and she has so many of these like you know what i mean about that it has like it's almost like what Marissa was saying, like, what the hell is a blue? A sp- what did you say? It was like a blue. What is September blue? What the fuck is September blue? Like, what the fuck is anything that she was just saying? But it works so well. And you actually, when you read this book cover to cover, I know that probably sounded like a little bit like what's happening, but you actually very much know what's going on. And I'll get to that a little bit when I talk about um themes but oh it was just stunning and it was just weird and that's my favorite thing things that are pretty and grotesque at the same time favorite fucking thing for form I also gave this book an eight because not only does she have my favorite style of writing when it comes to poetry she has one of my favorite styles of form when it comes to poetry and it is a what I learned in Shout out to Anselm Berrigan's um, class. Um, Not one of these poems looks the same really as the one that came before it. Um, She's not doing anything super crazy. Like for example, I read another book of poems this week that I was fine, but I didn't end up liking as much where there was like one poem that was in like a circle and it was in like a swirl. And like, that was fucking cool. She doesn't do anything like that, but the form of her poetry is just very beautiful and the thing that I like most about it is the spacing and the pause 
and all of it feels intentional and like it makes you read the poem in a different way than you would if it weren't that way if that makes any sense and the dashes the spaces the periods non-periods commas anything like that because sometimes you'd be in poetry class and my teacher who I just referred to whose name we can leave out but also not really because he's a poet like he doesn't care um, <laughs> um made it a point to be like this is something really cool you can do with form and then sometimes it would feel like people did this including me I'm guilty of this put random spaces between words that like didn't need to be there and didn't need to have a pause and sometimes that works because then you realize it sounds better that way and then it has a different meaning that way but sometimes I'm like you're literally just doing a weird form to be weird like you're not it's not necessary um but here all of her pauses it felt almost like she reads I can't claim to know this, but it felt almost like she reads everything, figures out where she paused and how long she paused for, and then decided to space things out that way. I don't know if that's true, but it feels like that might be what's happening. But like I said, no poem looked like a poem before it. Sometimes they took up the entire page from margin to margin. Sometimes they were all justified to one side sometimes they were bouncing back and forth about which side they were justified sometimes they were two line stanzas sometimes they were one line stanzas sometimes they were three line stanzas sometimes they were almost like monologues um sometimes they were like paragraphs sometimes they were chunks of square text um they were often dancing on the page in a really interesting way like it was moving very strangely because the other thing I do really love about poetry is there's a lot more movement to it than there is in fiction unless you're like cool like Marissa and you do cool stuff with the form of your fiction but it moves your eyes have to move around the page in different ways than they do when you are just reading a regular book and she definitely um does that a lot I'm trying to find an example of when she does that like spacing that I'm like I wonder how she decided to do this. I walk in a straight line as a compass pulled the wrong way north. High priestess of the not quite. Chief Dolores. And fuck it all. All of it. Observed. Clement. Being the one who. Being the one that. I have the problem of needing to say my history teeth first to a body of water. To the river to the gutter, to the storm, drain red and rushed with leaves in dirty water. I was pausing where she either had a big space, a regular space, a period or a dash or a comma. And it, you know what I mean? Like, it just feels, that wasn't even like that. I liked, I really liked that um, poem. It was called In March When You Tell Me You Don't. And it's just like, that wasn't even like the best example, even though I really liked that poem. I feel like you need to see poetry in a way you don't need to see um, fiction, which is also really cool because if you're somebody who likes art, you should like poetry because it's a very visual medium in a way 
that fiction simply often is not. Um, it makes me really sad to know that some people can't see pictures in their head. I actually know some people who can't see pictures. Um, and I think that's fucking crazy. And I can't imagine what my life would be like. Um, but everybody has different abilities and sees the world in different ways, which is so cool. But I feel like if you're one of those people, maybe you should try doing poetry, reading poetry, because you might not be able to see the pictures of what the poet is describing in your head, but you can visually see what they're doing on the page. So I don't know. That's something I just thought of. Um, Shelfworthiness. I gave this book a 6.5. I don't know if I would ever read this again cover to cover. I just don't know why I would. And I don't know if I'd ever like even read like full poems again from it. But I feel like I might open it up from time to time and go like look at different phrasings or just look at the visual of the poem on the page. And I also just like I said, I freaking love the cover of this book. And I feel like if you love to collect books and you like don't have a really good poetry collection and like you want to have poetry books that you like, but not necessarily that you want to read all the time, I'm going to keep this. The fuck? That cover's dope as shit. Um, but I do feel like it is the kind that I would like leaf through again and again and again, even if I wouldn't read the full thing again. Oh, one other thing I just want to say about form real quick too, is it's separated into multiple parts, which is cool. And it's something we do or learn to do a lot with poetry, but I just want to mention that. Um, and each new section um, has a quote too, which I think I did in my collection of poetry that I did um, my what fucking year was that? Sophomore year? I'm losing track of time. Time is an illusion. It's not real. Nobody knows what's going on. But yes, um, just wanted to say that. Um, I'm skipping characterization as well, y'all, because there wasn't really characters in this it's poetry. There was clearly people she was referring to over and over again, but it was not characters. Okay, for plot, I was again unsure whether to like rate this with a number or not. I ended up giving it um, a seven, but it, there's also no reason there needs to be a number when you really think about it. But what I kind of wanted to say is earlier that this book, this book of poems, you can kind of tell what's going on, even if you can't tell what's going on. And even if it's not narrative poetry, um, this was very much, and this is the other reason, honestly, th this is the main reason that I'm gonna hang on to this. This was very much a feminist text. And anytime I come across a feminist text that I like, I'm a keep it. But it was kind of about a lot of things, um, whether it be how men, treat women how men look at women how women move around in this world our bodies cycles of trauma and abuse um physical and mental even at times girl women's interaction with other women even if a lot of this felt like an address or a recounting of 
a woman's interactions with a man, there was still some womanhood togetherness, I guess. Um, So that's, I feel like the best way to describe the themes of this book is kind of as um, feminist. A lot of, uh, there is a lot of um, mourning, I guess, in this book because she refers to a lot of poems as an elegy. And I think we wrote elegies. I've taken a class where I had to write elegies before, but a lot of the poems in this book were elegies, not even necessarily of people but of like moments or things. Um, so there was a lot of mourning. There was a lot of grief. Um, there was a lot of rage in this book. Uh, and I don't know, bro. Like it was very, it was very intimate and emotional. And there was like kind of a brutality to it that I think uh, is why I was like oh what's going like I I gotta keep reading what's coming next because it had a tension to it that sometimes you might not find in poetry and the other drama is that um almost even though like I'm keep saying it wasn't a narrative all these were around the same themes so they went very well together and it felt more like a whole book and not necessarily that you get an answer at the end because I don't like books that give you answers at the end anyway, but like, not that you get that with this, but like, I feel like sometimes people will put a book of poetry together and you're like, okay, like what the shit did any of that have to do with each other? But like, she clearly like this woman, like, again, I don't claim to know her, um, but hold on. My computer came unplugged. Um, I don't claim to know her, but clearly this woman writes a lot of poetry um, and made this collection based off of poems that were all around the same themes, um, which I think is a good thing to do as a poet. At least in my opinion, I don't care to read a book of poetry that's just anything you wrote. Like that doesn't appeal to me at all. Um, The other thing I really wanna say is that this book um, had a lot of feminist themes and um, feminist, what's the word, iconography and references. And there was a decent amount to Greek mythology, which I think was interesting because the other book I read, which was called Vertigo and Ghost, which it like was fine. It just like wasn't my favorite, was all about or often about Greek mythology, specifically like Zeus um, and Zeus. And it was a feminist book of poetry too, I'll say that. Um, But Zeus being like fucking awful um, as he was in the lore. Um, But this had some references to Greek mythology too. And I think so often feminist texts do have references to Greek mythology and often, what do we think of when we think of Greek mythology and feminism? I feel like we think of Medusa, um, who was um, raped in the temple by Poseidon and blamed by Athena for that and turned into a Gorgon. Um, I think we think of um, Daphne, who was turned into a tree, um, and Echo, who was turned into (laughs) the Echo in the forest, um, and all these women who were wronged in different ways often 
because of assaults by men, the most interesting thing that I was like, holy crap, that is so freaking cool, was that the most Greek references in this book were not to any of those women. They were to Eurydice. There was dozens of references to Eurydice. And you might be like, why would you do Eurydice instead of Medusa, who was assaulted, or um, Daphne, who had her life ripped away from her while she was trying to run from some guy who was trying to assault her? That feels feminist. Bro, Eurydice was betrayed by her lover. Do you have a Eurydice too? Yes. I also, I love Eurydice. And it very much, the story of Eurydice is very much a love story to me. And so was this. But because she was talking about this like trauma and abuse and grief and, and a breaking of things, it made so much sense that she had latched onto Eurydice. I had never viewed Orpheus turning around as a betrayal in the way I did until I read this book of poems. Orpheus turning around breaks my heart every time, but it's usually because I feel bad for Orpheus and Eurydice. I'm like, motherfucker, why did you turn around? You could have been together. But this time I was like, why did you turn around? You just sent this girl back to the pits of hell because you couldn't listen to the directions. Like, it is a it is a betrayal at its core and especially because i don't i can't claim to know about the man she's referring to obviously but like orpheus like i don't even know if he fully like he didn't i don't even know if he could fully control himself like he just like couldn't do it and like i said like i'm not entirely sure that's what's happening here because obviously like she talks about a lot of other stuff with this person she's referring to, the character of the man that's in this book and the woman he is uh, often betraying. But I was like, that is so cool. Um, and I'm curious too, because I also have seen a production of Eurydice by Sarah Kane. That was really cool. Um, was it by Sarah? No, Sarah Rule. Sarah Rule, who's a playwright and I'd like to reread it because I saw it when I was very young um and so I didn't fully get what was tea but I wonder if that was more of a feminist um take on Eurydice too because Hades Town kind of is but it is also a love story through and through even though I think it sometimes does put more fault on Orpheus than the original I don't know. I kind of want to read all three. I kind of want to read, I want to like revisit Hades Town. I want to revisit the Sarah Rule Eurydice and I want to revisit the original Eurydice. And then maybe that is my excuse to reread this just because the Eurydice more than anything stuck with me in this book. And we love feminine rage, bro. Favorite thing. Gotta be one of my favorite genders. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is Brute by Emily Skaja. Pick it up. Grey Wolf Press. You can buy it probably right from Grey Wolf Press. Um, I also know for a fact you can buy it from Barnes and Noble, um, but I'm sure you can also find it at an indie bookstore. Um, and also maybe I don't know, maybe your library. I don't know your life. Um, I don't know where you're from that you might be able to find this, but do it because it was very, very good. 
Um, no, that sounded very, really good. I we love feminine rage. It's it just hits us where we need it to hit us in our feminine rage. I also think of when I'm thinking of like feminist things, I do think of Athena because she sprouted from Zeus Zeus's head. And I'm like, that's pretty badass of her, but also like yeah. she's kind of not fun a lot. I have beef with Athena like big time. She's a very frustrating person. Yeah, she is. I got because I'm obviously with Medusa over here. Hell yeah. Um, I love Medusa. Um, but yeah, it's very she it's very interesting that she sprouted from a man's head. And that's probably why she acts like so the way she does. I know. I really I what a <laughs> Marissa. Yes, some what what we reading next week? Is next week our Oscar episode? Yeah. Next week, we are going to be celebrating the Oscars, which Woo! is March 27th. Um, and so we're going to be reading things, works from the uh, adapted to screen category. Woo! Right? Yes! <laughs> you got it. We, uh, we had a little bit of like a mix up when yeah. we were doing our things and shifted around our entire schedule. So yeah, sorry about it, but we got it. And now y'all know. So now, you know, I know Liza knows. Um, so yeah, maybe fun homework this week, maybe watch one of these or read one of these or don't do any of those things and wait till you hear the episode and then decide what you want to do. I don't know your life. It would, it would be cool if you like, read it with us yeah because we're gonna read and watch right yes yeah so i'm reading or i read i read drive my car by haruki murakami which is from the short story collection men without women and i'm going to watch drive my car which is nominated for i think best picture and best adapted screenplay look at that look at yours might be too i don't know I don't know, but I'm going to read The Lost Daughter by Elena Ferrante. It's directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal, which is pretty friggin' cool. And I saw this one already and it was really good. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask my dad if he'll watch it with me. Dad. Dad. And love it, take, it takes place in Greece, which is not Italian, but it almost is. It's almost it's it's Distant cousins, I'd say. Yeah, I'd say so. But yeah, besties, that is our lineup for next week. And so read read these or maybe watch or maybe both or maybe neither. Hey, Who's to say? You've got options. Um, And thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. Mwah. Peace out.